Welcome to Conversations with Sarah. I'm Sarah Redden, creator of the SRTT Self-Care Club. Thank you for joining us today. You can find me on most social media platforms as SRTT Self-Care. And if you join our Facebook group, you can see the live recordings and see other guests and other things that are going on in there. Uh, today, I am joined by Claire Makin, who is a yoga teacher and a pelvic floor health specialist. Uh, to have a bit of a conversation about pelvic floor health. Uh, thank you so much for joining me, Claire. Thank you for inviting me. You are most welcome. Do you want to introduce yourself a little bit more and let people know a little bit more about who you are? Yeah, sure. So I, um, yeah, I specialise in working um, with women who have pelvic floor issues like leaking and urgency, um, who want to regain um, control of that those pelvic floor symptoms. And I work holistically. So I use my skills as a yoga teacher as well as the training I've done in pelvic floor rehab to to offer um, a whole um, sort of system of support um, that that tackles lifestyle and mind and body, so that people can get a long term strategy for well being rather than the quick fixes. Um, that perhaps haven't worked in the past and that's why I was really interested in speaking with you because you're talking my language like the holistic stuff but also like as I said when we first met this this is a conversation I think that women are only really just starting to have publicly and I think it's important to keep the conversation going and keep it on the platforms and make it more um, or less taboo and actually uh, start to have these conversations because I, I think there are many, many women out there that have this problem, um, but we all kind of keep it a little bit secret. <laughs> it's all a bit like, oh no, I don't really want to talk about it. Um, so thank you for coming and kind of joining me to share all this stuff. So let's get straight into the why do you think there are so many women struggling with a pelvic floor? Yeah, um, well, I mean, Statistically, I think I've looked at it that it says 80% of women do struggle with their pelvic floor, but I honestly think it's more. And those and there's there's 20% of women that perhaps aren't even talking about it. I feel like most people that I meet are you know struggling in some way, even if it's just a minor way. Occasionally they might leak because we have this whole culture of you know joking about sneeze wheeze, and it's mm -hmm. almost you know I hear it on the school run people joking about it oh my pelvic floor is not what it was I've had three kids blah 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 and we're all living feels like we're all living with these issues and I think one of the main things is that our modern life has changed a lot over the years of um, becoming more digital being online living online we are less active we are not required to use our body as much as we will have done, you know, sort of if, mm. if you start from, say, post-war, I'm not an expert in that sort of length <laughs> of history, but post-war, yeah. women were much more active. They had to be active. They, they didn't have, you know, washing machines, fridge freezers, all of that. So over all mm. these years, and even more so over uh, since lockdowns began we live at home we are quite sedentary we are ordering things online we don't need to go out we don't need to go shopping we might want to go out but you know we're sitting down a lot more we are very busy we are more stressed and I think we've generally become disconnected with how to look after ourselves how, mm. all of those things that we might like maybe even our great grandmothers might have known how to look after ourselves all those sort of herbs and those remedies and the, the looking at the whole thing we've lost all of that because we've become 
you know, so focused on um, careers or having children or must be busy, must do this, must do that, rather than, you know, we're not even kind of living, we're living out of cycle with nature as well, aren't we? And I think yeah. all of those things, um, you might think, oh, how does that impact? No, 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 well, I completely well, agree with you. I yeah. completely agree with you because we've lost connection with our body. We've lost that <laughs> connection of kind of knowing or you know it's not as strong as it was with kind of really knowing what it is that we need and I think then added into that is lack of education uh, Mm. because I don't remember ever learning any of this other than when I had children I was told do your kegels do pelvic floor exercises and not really even being told what (laughs) that really was it was just do it just just do this and it's like oh, oh okay all what the importance of pelvic floor health is it it was just like you've had a kid now you're going to have some you're going to have some problems this might Mm. help Mm. crack on yeah and that whole issue with with the kegels the pelvic floor squeezers so just put that in context that exercise was first kind of introduced in 1945 i think by dr arnold kegel a man Um, as the way to deal with pelvic floor health now that was a long time ago and life's changed a lot and we you know how can we just still um, rely on just that one exercise because actually we're so much more complex than that our body our whole system and we know much more now that our mind influences the body and vice versa you know if we're mentally in pain we might feel it physically in the body and it's the exact same for the pelvic floor so just to have one muscle and just one one exercise and just to say to people, just do that and you'll be fine. It's just do, doing women a disservice because it isn't just about doing that exercise. Um, it's actually a lot more about, you know, staying active, walking, making sure you keep hydrated, making sure that you're not holding stress in the body and actually providing the right framework in your whole body so that the, the muscle, the, the pelvic floor muscle, which is so important, can just function automatically. You know, we shouldn't actually need to squeeze it. Um, it should, you know, if we get our breath right and we get our posture right, then the pelvic floor should should um, contract and release naturally with movement and should be able to, you know, if we lift or we sneeze, it should just, you know, gently contract to, to support us. But because of what of the inputs we've added onto our lives, the layers of things that, you know, even down to like the types of clothes we wear, we're impacting on the ability of the pelvic floor muscle to then function. So we're kind of just hindering ourselves and we need to unpack all of all of these things that we're living our life to kind of understand, you know, how to get yeah. back to just, how to get that- back to like natural living a bit more, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting to me because I've never heard it be described like that. Like I've never, like, obviously I found you, but I didn't go and look at all your stuff because I wanted to have the conversation not knowing. (laughs) Um, So what bits piqued my interest there? Um, So I know, like, it made me think, I'm aware that most of us think we need to sort of be doing stuff to tighten everything up. Uh, but for some women it's the opposite that they need to learn to relax so there's mm-hmm. that point <laughs> let me try and gather all my thoughts yeah um and 
yeah, like the like the natural way. Tell, I, I kind of would like to know more about that if you can, because it's it's only ever been you have to do stuff to intervene. So how do we do yeah. stuff to be more in sync and actually more more in tune with ourselves so that we're working with our body rather than forcing our body to do something that actually isn't helping it. Yeah, I think it where you can actually, if you could go back in time or speak to our younger friends and relatives, it's starting with shoe education, what, what we put on our feet. So all of the fashion of shoes now, so the fashion seems to be with trainers to have really squishy, big, quiet heels, almost like a high heel on a trainer, mm. for example. Any sort of supportive shoe, um, what it does, it provides too much support for the foot and the foot doesn't then need to work properly because it's supported and it's lifted and we're kind of living our life on a hill instead of living our life flat. Um, if we can keep our feet strong and mobile, then we help the rest of the structure. So if we start with our feet, so if you think if, you know, if you've got, um, if you've got children or young children, their feet um, naturally point forward and they are spread nice and wide, their toes are nice and wide. Then we start to put ourselves into shoes and we start to kind of, um, kind of almost disable their function because we're, with you know, squeezing them together. People end up with bunions and toes that are pointing mm. in that direction. All of that structure impacts on the way that your muscles then operate in your legs which then affect the position of the pelvis and then it kind of it, it just it it starts a sort of chain reaction of things tweaks over time you know lower back pain knee pain hip pain all of that from the shoes so shoe shoe education is definitely something that you could you know if you brought into schools and that's you know that's having to cut through a big fashion industry and I'm not about to try and do that but that's kind <laughs> no, of, I, I'm basically saying that's that a big job those, yeah that's not my job but that would be the ideal thing if I could say you know we all need to be in shoes that are shoe foot shaped rather than shoe shaped um but then so you can help yourself by being barefoot more by having flatter wider shoes there are barefoot shoes and they're the ideal um yeah. but you know not everyone wants to invest in that but then there's other things that you can do um, to, to, I guess the, the two big things are learning how to breathe effectively, correctly. Um, and, you know, we're, we're knowing now that breathing is becoming much more mainstream, the power of the breath. You know, there's lots mm. of that, that great book by James Nestor about breathing. So we're starting to realize that the, the three things that we already do can actually benefit our health a lot, a lot more. So learning to breathe and use the breath um but learning how to align the body uh, keeping a good good posture and then you know walking daily and keep and keeping active but keeping active active in a way that supports kind of functional movement like the, the yeah. movement of our joints and bones rather than thinking oh I have to be slimmer I have to have a six pack or I need to be muscly actually yeah. the aim should be firstly is I need to keep my shoulder joints moving I need to keep my hips functioning and if we yeah. if we strip back all the layers and these are like cultural norms that we need to kind of break through and I think this is why we're struggling is you know it's getting back to basics back to like you know free things breathing walking standing 
things like that that are actually that you know not sitting down as much um yeah. which are yeah. all really basic things and when you kind of think mm. about um mm. oh we need to make some lifestyle changes it, like yeah. you say it's immediately we we fall because of conditioning into this automatic stuff and like I'm thinking like exercise and you know what whenever you talk about or whenever I've had conversations about pelvic floor health and we talk about exercise it's like well I can't run and I can't go on the trampoline anymore <laughs> and I can't do the jumping jacks and mm. like there's all of these things that I can't do so it's like where I guess you've answered the question already where you start is walking because that's where mm. you want to be is walking yeah and movement. Yeah. yeah and that's why you do most exercise is so that you can just feel good you know mm. we all if whether you go to the gym or running or swimming or whatever it is you choose to do you choose to do it usually unless you're competing you know in a sport as a profession you do it to make you feel better and good mm. and 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 to look after your well-being don't you don't necessarily do it just to do it if you see what I mean it's a means to a route to like better mental health or yeah. that feel good factor of fin- finishing a run or finishing an exercise class so better to choose things that are going to really support you and just I think when I um when I work one-to-one sometimes women have a goal of getting back to running for example so you know you you just start with the foundations of human movement of of learning how to activate certain muscles and sometimes for example if we sit down a lot like I before this career I was sitting down for eight hours a day in a marketing job um my glute muscles my bottom muscles have become really like inactive and I had to kind of learn to re-engage my glutes whilst walking so that they can support my pelvis so a lot of it is just like re re-activating areas of the body that haven't perhaps worked well or or aren't working that well and getting them working well and doing that first and there's no reason why people can't do whatever they want to do run or trampoline or whatever it is but starting with the basics and I think sometimes we're so keen to oh I must lose weight or whatever it is you know or want to look a certain way then we we'll just leap into a new exercise program we'll leap into jumping uh, running and we've never done running before and then we're leaking and it's like well yeah because you've not built up the foundations in the body the body's just gone what and the public yeah, what yeah. what's that and um, i mean we talk about it's one of the things we talk about on the podcast a lot is is kind of moving away from this idea that we need to be a certain aesthetic and really looking at things more from a health and a wellness perspective mm-hmm. um and so like you say it's like start where you are it's great to have goals. It's great to want to do things, but start where you are and allow yourself to be successful by building on the the foundations, good strong foundations, and building on. So where where do we start with building good strong foundations? I think the the, the first thing is to to readdress postural um, imbalances. So start by standing. Start by learning how to stand um and and usually although that sounds really simple and weird it's like well I can stand but you know learning to untuck the pelvis learning where the feet need to go learning to relax the shoulders and just practicing that and almost making that the norm because um I mean I've developed a bit of a weird habit that when I see people out I'm always like oh they're tucking their pelvis under if they they could stand and then mentally I'm like oh I'd love to just go up them and readjust them because we all have we've all developed different ways of standing like we might lean into a hip and especially mm-hmm. if we've had children we're used to carrying a child on our hip yeah. and then we develop this this kind of strange different posture which then affects 
the rest of the body. So we need to reset, really. We need to reset just the basic thing of standing, getting used to that, and then, you know, then building upon that. So, yeah, it's literally starting. It's like I often say, like, restoring factory settings, but you're basically trying to restore how you were when you first learned to walk and you got strong and you were perhaps, you know, five or six, that sort of age, and you were walking well, your feet were working, your body was functioning. That's the sort of what we need to get back to is is knowing how our body is functioning before we start adding in even you know sitting down a lot at school and things like that all of that kind of um yeah is can be you're completely right though because we I mean as I'm sitting here I'm noticing the weird way I'm sat like and we do (laughs) like we I did ballet classes as a as a kid and there's the little bits of my posture that I notice I do from how you taught to stand with ballet holding the kids different things pains in this place so you avoid the pain by shifting in an, a, a different way and until you're really being kind of mindful and really really paying attention you don't even notice just how like not aligned you are like waving my hands everywhere yeah. not aligned your body is and and it does feel strange when you start to try and actually stand correctly and put put it it doesn't feel comfortable because you've got so mm. comfortable in being in the misaligned way mm, that's it and our bodies um they get used to the habits that we put them in and they'll adapt to that position so they won't keep springing back for a certain amount of time they will do but if we sit down a lot the, the, the eventually you'll develop that seated posture and you see it in people that use their phones a lot like you see it in the younger generation now I'm seeing a lot of younger people have a really rounded back neck position because they're spending a lot of time in this looking down at the phone position mm. so it's things like that we need to be really careful of that you know that's that's okay when the muscles are younger but eventually the muscles and get sore the bones get um you know they're not in a good healthy position and it starts to affect other areas so that's why we need to kind of think about yeah like you say mindfulness is the is the, the best place to start is actually just noticing to start with rather than thinking oh I've got to change everything it's actually yeah. like well what you know how am I feeling do what, am I actually standing in a good way am I sitting a lot or just being aware and then you can start to related to the pelvic floor start to almost notice when things are worse than other times because most people have symptoms maybe with their cycle if they're still having a menstrual cycle or or just generally you know some weeks it'll be worse some some weeks it'll be better and you can really start to notice um when that what's happening in your whole life you know were you a bit stressed when the pelvic floor symptoms were worse that could be you know that could be that you need to add in some time to to whether it's a breathing exercise or you know a bit of meditation or relaxation so yeah perhaps even start by mindful mindfully noticing what you're doing how you're using and moving your body in a day can can everyone kind of repair to use that word or or improve symptoms or is it is there a point that it's like actually there is no hope now yeah everyone can I think um I think um the length of time that you've been having um issues is mostly irrelevant in a sense it doesn't mean that if you've had 16 years of problems then you're never going to get back it may take you a bit longer because you're Mm. kind of trying to reverse some of those say postural habits or whatever so you're trying to get yourself back into um back into somewhere um but yeah I believe 
that everybody can benefit and get to a point where the pelvic floor issues aren't taking over all of your thoughts you know I speak Mm. to women where their whole life is designed around their pelvic floor issues because they're worrying about what clothes to wear because they might leak you know whether to wear pads whether to wear period pants to to you know to kind of catch that those accidental leaks um Mm. where toilets are things like that so you so everyone's got a different goal I think it depends what your better looks like um some people might be more prone to um always having a little bit of a pelvic floor problem but that's where managing it and kind of um learning what your triggers are I'd say um Mm. but yeah there's there's definitely hope for everyone you know it it isn't something that you need to kind of think right postnatally I must get this sorted or you know women have these issues that haven't had children um but definitely some and sometimes GPs say this you know come back in three months waiting will not make it get any better so if you're Mm. having them now they're only going to either stay the same or get worse pelvic floor issues aren't going to get better by themselves because it's not an illness it's you know it's it's just it's imbalance there's an imbalance somewhere in your system so it's not something that you can just say well just rest for a little bit and if you get better yeah. it won't so it, it'll either stay the same or it'll get worse okay worse. and what about people or that don't have issues um is there a way of avoiding or protecting uh pelvic floor health um I think maintaining whatever you're doing now whatever however you're living your life and you've not got issues then that's probably good I think be be aware of um stress creeping up so not allowing yourself to be you know become stressed or finding ways that you know you can manage your well-being so keep keep your well-being going um it might be that people don't currently have any healthy habits and they're just fortunate and they're okay because that happens to many people Mm -hmm. um make sure that you're using your body in a variety of different ways so that you're not just sitting for eight hours or you're not just standing for eight hours or you're not you're not in awkward uncomfortable positions like actually you know the more we can use our body even if it's just cleaning around the house we're, we're moving it we're bending our knees we're keeping you know keeping those hips functioning I think um I think for some I read a post actually of somebody who just turned just turned sort of they were in their mid-40s and had never been exercising and just started going to the gym and they never really you know thought about going to the gym so I think if you don't have an exercise regime or a well-being regime it's worth thinking about one I think it's worth thinking about what would what would you enjoy doing to look after yourself Mm. Um, because it's too easy to get lost in having a career or building a business, growing a business, having children and putting yourself at the bottom. And I think as women, we do this a lot. We put ourselves yeah. right at the bottom yeah. of a list that probably will never get to the bottom of that list. And I think if definitely you need to look after your well-being and, you know, and, and add, add in some some mindfulness some some ways that you can move your body in a way that suits you and that could Mm. be anything it could be walking could be yoga could be whatever it is um but just you know take take a bit of time which I'm sure Mm. people in this group probably do and people who listen to your things probably do because they're interested in self-care but yeah it's it's part of self-care really it's yeah and and that's kind of where I'm I'm thinking I mean it just is another part of prioritizing yourself and 
and rather than thinking of it as it's this one thing that has this one outcome it is just a part of all the other stuff we talk about every week in a, everywhere on my platforms it is just another part of looking after yourself um mm. and doing it in a, a mindful way just in a, in a way with awareness of how it impacts on your pelvic floor means mm. that if you are symptomatic it's going to help improve that yeah. So it, it is just another, it's almost, it's like it's another reason to give yourself permission to do all the things that help you with your health because it's going to help this thing and it's going to help yeah. you have better mental health and it's going to help you have better bone health and it's going to help you with all of the other things that we we always talk about. So it's like, it's not, you're not even adding in something else, you're mm. just you're looking at a way of doing everything you're trying to do already that gives you an, another bonus, another bonus of um, how it's going to help your health. That's totally it. And because nobody, nobody sort of has this aspiration of having the perfect pelvic floor for the sake of having a great pelvic floor. It isn't an aspirational thing in itself, but what it is, it's, it, it's a limiting factor. And it, it does, like you've just said, it impacts on your, your confidence and your ability to enjoy life and you know if you want to enjoy life being active and being with your kids and with your family and your friends it's it's gonna it, it's limiting you that's the that's the point of sorting it out it isn't mm. so that we can all say oh yeah I've got a 10 out of 10 pelvic <laughs> floor it, it, who cares what your pelvic floor is doing because it's it, you can't see it it's not an mm. aesthetic thing but if it's stopping if it's causing you mental stress and it's stopping you from being um being the best version of yourself that's a cheesy overused phrase but it is that isn't it it's that it sense is, of, yeah that is it, what it is yeah it is yeah because you're limiting yourself and the thing is we it's easy to it's it's an easy thing for people to find ways to cope around it but how much how does that impact on your self-esteem you know over mm. time if you're constantly wearing pads and you're you know, a 40-year-old woman and you're buying pads every day and you're basically saying that you're incontinent, that's not, that's not a great, that's not, you know, that's what doesn't do you well. Does that impact on your business? Does that impact mm. on your, um, your ability to feel attractive, you know, in, in a relationship? What is it really, how wide is it actually impacting? Mm. And I imagine it's more than you realise, more than just weeing a bit when you sneeze. It's actually affect. It could be impacting on your relationships with your partner and with your children because you're snapping at them because there's no toilet or you know what I mean. It's yeah. all linked, isn't it? And I think that's why we need to look at it. Yeah, and I think as with many things with women's health, the kind of underlying message that we've received is it is just part of being a woman. Suck it up. <laughs> Find a way to deal with it don't really talk about it too much because none of us really want to hear it. we don't want to hear it like because then mm. that inconveniences our lives like just just deal with just deal with the symptoms and the, mm -hmm. uh, it's great that there's more conversation now about this is how we can deal with symptoms because I say I was just told to after having kids do kegels and that that has been the sum total mm -hmm. of the advice that I was given over yeah. 20 odd years ago um and I think you've got some views on doing regular Kegels. Do you want to share that with us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Kegels are 
a way to reconnect with your pelvic floor. They can be useful postnatally to regain the sensation and regain strength. And they are can be used in, you know, if you go and need some physical therapy. But doing doing too many or doing them and incorrectly, because it's, there's sort of three different areas that you can be lifting and squeezing, um, can actually cause tightness in the pelvic floor. So if you don't actually know, I think we tend to gen, we tend to assume that our pelvic floor is weak if we're leaking. Mm-hmm. That might not be the case. So we shouldn't automatically um, jump to doing a Kegel exercise. Um, if it causes tightness, it causes and a tight pelvic floor or an overactive pelvic floor is the exact same symptoms as a weak pelvic floor. So you'll get leaking urgency uh, it could make a prolapse feel worse if your pelvic floor is tight so if you know you've got a prolapse um it could make those symptoms worse so i never i don't prescribe anyone to do kegels i would only do kegels if you've been advised by a woman's physio a woman's physical therapist to do them and she has helped you do them like she's examined you internally and she's gone this is how you do it and you've been taught how to do it I would not like anyone to now be (laughs) reading listening or watching this and doing them because you might you might not need them you you shouldn't technically need them anyway you shouldn't need to do them we've been told that do them every day forever and you'll be fine now some women do have stories where they do do them every day and they are fine but it isn't necessarily because of the Kegels. It might just be that they are lucky, that they are just not prone to having problems. They're active. It's not, you know, it's fine. Kegels provide a short-term solution. But there's loads, there is research around that women who have done Kegels have found um, a reduction in their symptoms. But as soon as they've stopped, the symptoms have come back. So the way I work is much more thinking about a long-term approach that you can just add into your life that's actually so much more interesting than doing those kegels mm. um that's you know rather than squeezing and lifting and trying to remember to do those um you don't ne- you don't necessarily need to do them they're just they're kind of like this this much um as a as a sort of help when you've got a whole toolkit of things that yeah. you could actually try first and as you say if you're not doing them correctly then you're potentially doing more damage than actually yeah. even doing yeah. good um and you know I I'm aware of conversations I've had where, where that's sort of been a thing and it's like mm. oh you know you've done this thing for 20 years and now it's like uh it's not even helped it's just made the situation situation worse um, and I think where, where I've been kind of looking around at this topic as well I noticed there are all sorts of um machinery equipment available now for home use do you have any thoughts on that type of stuff I'd say again, don't invest, don't invest in it unless you've been to a woman's health physio and they've advised you to do it and they've given you instructions because you don't, you might not need it. I, I think people are wasting their money on on quick fixes because we, we, I think just generally generalizing, we we prefer quick fixes. We want to take you know a tablet rather than doing the work. Um, they might be useful for some women I'm not saying that they don't work and they aren't useful but you need to have you need to be correctly guided in their use and my my approach is just looking at a bit more than that a bit bigger than that we're a bit more complex than just kind of training one muscle as as a whole body and a whole mind um and I think um yeah I think I think 
be cautious about those things that people are trying to sell you online and because they will tell you that it fixes all your problems and for some it will and, and they'll have case studies where it has helped them mm. um but if you've got a history and you know try different things and you get into that point where you know you try the kegels and you're still having problems then you know look a bit wider look a bit yeah. beyond the gadgets because you might be wasting your money uh, and still end up feeling and actually then it causes more stress and more detachment from the pelvic floor mentally and sometimes um like I've got a client at the moment and all, we've worked together for two sh- sessions and on the second session she said the main thing I've noticed is, is that I'm starting to trust myself mm-hmm. so the symptoms are reducing very slightly it's only been like it's only week two but the, the main thing was that she was trusting herself and that and the longer these things go on you know, if we try that and it's not worked, then we try that gadget and it's not worked. We start to think, well, it's never going to work. And that mm. in itself can be quite damaging to mm. our to it working. It's kind of like becoming a self-fulfilling prophecy of it's just getting worse. The more I try and then you start to believe that you're never going to get any help when actually, you know, just yeah. get chat, you know, chat to someone, chat to me. You know, I, I'm. I, I can talk to people and, and help them find the best pathway. But mm. um, I think, yeah, another another key person to speak to is a woman's health physio to kind of mm. just see what's going on with the muscles before you start. Because it's like self-diagnosing, isn't it? It's just it's Dr. Google. It's kind of, you know, trying to, if you bought, you know, if you had another problem and you start bandaging mm. it up with things rather than actually mm. seeing an expert. So how does, how do listeners get in touch with a uh, a women's health physio is that something you can self-refer to is that something you need the GP to do is it is you there a, a place that you go and, and and on the internet to find them so you can get you can get referred through the GP which is going to be the longer route um mm-hmm. and you can go privately and have an appointment with them so I think the best thing to do there are um is, is to do a bit of a search for your area so I'd recommend yeah. going in person to someone and just what you what you're looking for is is a woman's health physio someone who specializes in perhaps postnatal checks um or there's a thing called a mummy mot that some physios yeah we have had a well. guest on before that talked about yeah MOTs. so someone who's who's kind of specialized in that because what you want to do is find out what your muscles are doing how they're responding if they're weak if they're strong if they're tight mm-hmm. they can really help you internally to get that sort of full picture of what's happening and you know um and then you kind of know what to do next and you'll Mm. get some guidance on what to do yeah Mm. and then someone like yourself alongside that or after that whereabouts do you does you and your service fit in with this sort of yeah timeline so usually if people come to me first then I sort of send them for one appointment to get to sort of see what the public floor is and then they come back to me because they want my approach of being kind of long-term holistic I think some pelvic floor physios do offer um similar things to what I'm offering I think I think where I kind of add more is that I've got a yoga background and an exercise background so I you know I think you need the whole sort of package really but it does what I do is complement work with a women's health physio I wouldn't say kind of do both I think if you're seeing a women's health physio and they've told you to do certain exercises, do that, finish that first and see how you go or, you know, have an appointment and then come to me. Yeah. And if you want to work more in a holistic way and, you know. But what I'm, what I'm hearing so. is it, it's about 
education actually get educated about what is going on for you mm, um, and yeah. then making a decision about which sort of pathway feels more aligned for you because it may be that you just want to go and have mm. some physio type stuff or work more holistically and look at kind of the wholeness of what's going on for you and seeing if it how that impacts other because it does always impact other areas of life doesn't it and it yeah it, generally when we're dealing with something it's never just the one thing that we're dealing with it's it is the wholeness of our, our person that yeah that is gonna come comes comes into the work yeah definitely and there's tools that I have that the physio wouldn't and vice versa so they mm. are experts in the you know in the internal examinations where you know I might have more information about the lifestyle aspects and things so yeah, yeah. There's, there's kind of benefits but yeah it's choice and I, I just want more women to know that you can you know you can do something about it it isn't normal it isn't normal it's common but it's not normal and those mm. two are very different mm. perfect and how do people contact you do you work online like with any of the work or is it all in person I work virtually with with everyone it's all online um and I find that really helps I think it helps people to open up a bit um yeah. rather than you know come to see me so I yeah and that it just makes it makes it more sort of accessible so I can see anybody perfect and your details will be in the show notes for anyone that wants to contact you so they will be able to find you and contact you directly um, it does feel like Ooh. we probably are at time um i i feel like i can ask more questions but i think we've given a good overview of, of sort of yeah. where to start with things what to think about mm. and actually that there is plenty of places to go for help um we've just got to get maybe used to being that little bit uncomfortable about going and asking for the help yeah yeah brilliant is there yeah, anything you absolutely. want to leave people with today i think my main message is to that you don't put up with issues that are troubling you go and see someone come and speak to me go and speak to a physio talk to a friend open up because whilst lots of people do suffer with these issues you don't have to it isn't a normal part of having children or getting older um it's usually just an imbalance somewhere and it's totally solvable it's totally something that you can do so don't let it eat away at your confidence and affect you and limit you you know open up go and go and see someone speak to somebody um and 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 get some help because once you've got that sorted then you can do whatever you want in life you know you can really mm. enjoy life fully brilliant thank you thank you so much for coming and speaking with me today you're very welcome I enjoyed it Thank you. Uh, thank you to those that have listened. I hope that you've enjoyed today's episode. I'll be back next Wednesday with a new guest. Until then, stay curious and be kind to yourself. <laughs>